Welcome back to the Sober Bartender Podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Kelly. Today, I have a very special guest for you. I cannot wait for you to hear our talk. I brought therapist, author, and coach Amanda J.P. Brown to the podcast today. So Amanda and I have been friends for many, many years. Um, Before I started on my journey, um, she was somewhere in hers when we met, but you know, we've both blown the roof off of where we were when we knew each other years ago. So uh, today you get to hear us catch up and dive into facing our fears, um, being brave and accessing our courage, shame resilience, um, our journeys of recovery, parental wounds, and so much more. So I will not keep you waiting any longer. Please help me welcome Amanda J.P. Brown. So good to see you. I love your office space. Thank you. So how are you? Oh, I'm good. Um, it has been, you know, a wild ride. It's been a while since we've been like caught up. So lots has changed. Um, yeah. Got divorced from Kirk, which was a really good thing for me. Um, it was. How long were you guys married? Uh, almost eight years. We were together for almost. 15, 16, 14, 14, 2007 to, um, yeah, 14, 2021. Wow. Yeah. So we're together a long time, married for almost eight and it was just tough the last few years, you know, it wasn't a good relationship and while he's, you know, a good friend to people, Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes how people are isn't the same as in their relationship. So I definitely know how that is. <laughs> I'm sure that you saw like, yes. we, can be, we can, you know, be with these amazing people and they're still amazing people, even if they're not amazing for us. Right. We're not amazing people because it takes so much of us to try to fit into what we need to be for them. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was just like, I was so unhappy and he was so unhappy and we held up this great facade, but the last couple of years, like it just got bad. And, you know, some people that we were friends with got to see like just how bad it was and that we're close. And, um, I just, I was tired of it and I was, you know, he didn't want to go to therapy anymore and he didn't, it got to the point where it was, it's not an Amanda problem. It's a us problem. And you have to do some work and work on this relationship if you want it. And he's like, I think we're good. I'm like, okay. And then within a few months we were like, this isn't good. You know, I'm like, do you want a divorce? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it because I'm miserable and you're miserable. And you know, you're a good, a good person. Um, just, we're not good together anymore. And I'm not going to go back to that person who showed up so many years ago, insecure and being what you want and your, you, you want that person and I'm just not her anymore. I mean, I'm, I know who I am and I want something different for my life and I want to have deeper relationships and connections. And if that's not what you want, then I, I, I get it. And I want you to have your space and I want to be happy. And so you know, I think we, we actually had a really amicable divorce compared to other people. And that was a really nice experience. I bet. (laughs) I mean, I know with all the people that I know gone through divorce or that I've helped, um, it is not always amicable. And sometimes it's really, you know, and tough and then but it was interesting to see how people reacted and responded and and just like the the oh well you didn't try hard enough being married is hard and I'm like yep thank you for that thank you you have no idea what I tried or or what we did and and sometimes the kindest thing you can do for someone you've cared about through your life is to move on and let them go and I think that you know, that was also part of me letting go of that girl that I was. And so I could become who I am becoming an M and yeah. So, you know, drastically went through that divorce. Um, I had a lot of rapid change in like 
six months, five months. Mm -hmm. I moved, moved to my mom's, then moved out of my mom's to Oregon and got a new job. And, you know, so just like so many things happened. And I think I've been kind of like settling in since then. So, yeah. So, um, I met you, how old, I don't know, how old were you when we met? Like, it was, you know what, it was in 2007. Yeah. We met, yeah, I would have been, um, how old would I have been? Well, I was um, 20, I was 22. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been just turning 30 or just turned 30. Because I remember like, like the woman that I met, like you were just like, you were still the things that I see now, mm -hmm. right? Like you could see all of those things, um, you know, just like you were working on like developing programs back then, like you're a beautiful you. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you were still doing like small <laughs> portions of like what you've kind of stepped into. Like, it's been awesome to kind of watch you like blossom and transform. Yeah. But I think. Like, it was neat to see that once, once you like, it, I, like the chain snapped almost. Yeah. And it was like all that rapid transformation took place because you like, was like a, somebody whipped you with a slingshot and you like went right into like you. Yeah. I love that analogy because that is like a big thing about, how, yeah, how that happened. <laughs> yeah. And so that was a couple of years later. I think we met when I bought that truck. And we just briefly met very short time and then we didn't get a, yeah. So then it was, yeah. Cause beautiful you fitness university was shortly after that. So in 2007, I had just moved to Vegas. So we were, we were in Arizona. Uh, yeah. I was there 04 to 06. So I was down there quite a bit. I was still back and forth, but I think yeah. It was when you were in Vegas and we came out to get the truck. Mm -hmm. in December oh, I, I'm pretty sure it was a December somewhere towards the end of the year because it's pretty cold there yeah Maybe. and I was just I was thinking like we didn't spend a lot of time together but like yeah. holy shit yeah <laughs> right every time we were together we connected so it's kind of like and it's yeah. been amazing I mean I think the reason I started a lot of my like into the business and into the personal growth work if I look back is like we started talking about you did your bikini competition and you're like come on let's do it you can do it you can come up to Vegas and I'm like okay yeah I've always wanted to do something like that and then that sparked so you actually were a really important piece of that journey now because <laughs> that competition choosing to do that with your encouragement is kind of hooked me up with my first coach who kind of started the whole process of me creating Beautiful You Finish University and kind of that big, because I just wanted to do the competition, but her program was like mind, body, and business. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I just mm -hmm. want this body piece and maybe some mindset. And lo and behold, you know, now, and that was in what, that was actually in 2012. Yeah because it's been 10 years since then so yes yeah. for anybody listening we did compete in the 2012 Jay Cutler Desert Classic yeah <laughs> April it was April because yeah. it was right before my birthday yeah at the Palms Casino yeah um yeah and that that whole time was really neat because like you were into the Kempo yep. and I I was doing like the boxing like and that yep. was stuff that was not very supported in my relationship at the time because mm -hmm. that was very selfish like very self-serving and like very it really filled me up and made me feel good yeah but you know that turned into taking away what I could be giving to my partner yes yeah my partner was fine with some of it but it was more like yeah do whatever you want and then it was wait you're not here you're not doing this you're not you've changed. So it was really this day, you know, like, yes, go do what you want. And then like penalizing, like, wait, but you're not spending time over here. And I'm like, how do I do it all? Yeah. It's so difficult. Like looking back, that's something that I see like in my own like development, you know, is mm -hmm. um, I recognize that like me taking time for myself or doing things, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> doing things for myself 
produced a negative effect in that aspect. So if I wanted harmony here, like I didn't have a balance. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, there was this uh, um, need to like compromise sometimes parts of yourself in order to make your partner happy. Um, because I feel like, well, what's coming up to me is there's a, a little bit of threatening, right? Like you start to get empowered, you start to become more of yourself and it, it sometimes can be a little threatening. And I noticed this, even it was really fascinating. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but for that show, when we were doing that show, you know, you do the prejudging, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the hotel room and with my partner um, and we weren't married at the time yet. And he was, he was looking at me and he goes, you were literally glowing. And like, it was because I was doing something that I so loved that I felt magnetic in. And it just really, I mean, my journey of that process, I really worked a lot on my mindset. So it was, it was a really surreal and fascinating experience when I look back at it Um, because it wasn't like the my my journey was so different, I think, but it was also interesting to see how everybody, everybody was insecure at some point of, of, did I do enough? Did I do this? And I was just really kind of focused in on my journey. So I didn't get into that comparison with others, but I noticed looking back, like that piece of him noticing when I would do things that I would glow and I would, and that even in my previous marriage, because I've been married now and divorced twice, mm-hmm. he would, uh, my first ex-husband would say when he would see pictures of me, like traveling without him, or when I was away from him, like I looked different. He's like, you're glowing. And every picture you're not with me, you are glowing. And I'm like, huh, I didn't make <laughs> sense of it at the time then, but then looking back, I did, but it's, you know, when things would really start to go well, or I would start having all this positive influx, there would seem to be this like negative thing that would happen in my relationship. And my partner would get upset and like, you know, like, well, that, you know, turning it into where there would be like this great thing over here. And then there would be like this big negative, like, instead of encouraging and being supportive, right. It was that other piece of like, you're taking away from us. And I'm like, wait, what? So the thing that I just, I've noticed, because like I said, in, in reflecting, it's like, I know that you were really similar to me and like the amazing people that we were with were doing really incredible things that like, you know, yeah. they're working for themselves. So they have, you know, <laughs> like these businesses that they're doing and if they're going to thrive, like they need our support. Right. And you were really like go getting supportive partner, like in there yeah. and in it. And so it's just... I don't want to say it's not fair because a relationship, I don't feel a relationship needs to be 50, 50. I feel like it needs to be a hundred, a hundred. Yeah. I think that I'd agree with you. I think that you're, you know, how I look at relationships now is so much different in the sense of like, you're each giving to the relationship, your fullest self, but you're also supporting each other and your fullest individual development as well. And so it's really this, I always kind of in, I don't know why I view it this way. And I know people who are listening aren't going to be able to see, but it's almost like this thread of DNA where you're like together and then you weave apart and then you come together. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, and so I just, I just always think about like, cause you're growing and without your partner, there's so much why I'm so grateful to those relationships, even though they don't work out is because I learned so much about myself and without that partner and without those experiences, I wouldn't grow in the direction I have. You can only when you're not in a relationship, you only grow in certain ways. So it's the relationships that help you grow in other ways. But it's that supportive of togetherness and separateness that's really, I think, important instead of like, you know, we complete each other. No, we're complete and we come together to create something way more fucking fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Um, so it's good to hear that your your split was amicable. 
Um, you know, I recently got married and divorced in a six month span. I'm sure that was fun to watch, like not having caught up on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we, we kind of got caught up a little bit and you're like getting married. And I know I'd seen it and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then all of a sudden you were going through divorce and then getting remarried. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like no judgment. Like everybody's journey is their journey. And I love watching it, but I'm, yeah, I'm, love knowing a little bit more because oh sure yeah um, yeah I am uh it was really 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 challenging time so uh 2020 it was June of 2020 um I had talked to one of my old friends from back in Bullhead City from growing up um we were talking during COVID I wasn't working he said when things open up you should come up here mind you I was almost a year sober, like the first mm -hmm. time in recovery, really hard to get to that point. It is. Um, but in COVID, like there was people that were like doing backyard meetings, there's people doing Zoom and I was feeling real cocky. And I was like, I'm good. I don't need to go to meetings. I don't need to call my sponsor. I don't need to do all the things that got me to this point. Mm -hmm. So then without me recognizing it, instead of filling that hole in myself with the things that I, you know, the spiritual tools that I gained in recovery, I started reaching outward. So I reached back to this, this old friend that is no longer a friend. I reach out to him. And so he was in, uh, in Washington. So I'm like, I don't need to wait for the shutdown to end. Like you can book a flight and get on a plane right now. There's no one determining what's essential and non-essential. So there's yeah. like the root of my ism is that selfish self-centered, right? Like it's right. already just there front and center. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I flew up to Washington. I loved it. I didn't, you know, play the tape or think through how that was going to go. I went home, I packed up all my stuff and then, uh, I moved there. Yeah. And I drank the day I got there, not the day I visited, but the day I got there, I was 10 days away from one year. Oh, wow. And, um, there was so much shame in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the friendship was over, uh, 20 years, but mm -hmm. we lived in opposite States for those 20 years. So this was right. like a catch up every three to five years friendship. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, you only remember the good things like that selective memory. <laughs> Yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're lonely and you're just looking to raise hell, like I just went, I fell back yeah. on all my. And yeah. When you want to be wanted and you want to connect and you want to feel, you want to mm -hmm. feel wanted and desired, you oh, yeah. absolutely avoid looking at certain things and focus oh, attention just on this other thing. So yeah, I, I got there, I got drunk and it was bad. It was like, you know, my mindset was like, you know, I know better now. Like, I won't let it get out of control. I was blacking out and binging right away. I was sneaking drinks in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So we were not compatible whatsoever. Like, personality-wise, like, he's, you know, I'm, he's more, I don't know how to describe it. He's not a bad person, but he was very much not good for me. Right. Like, Absolutely. I'm just, you know, my, like, positive he like called me toxic toxically positive to where I'm like I'm trying to control my vibe here like I'm gonna choose joy I'm gonna choose happiness and he wanted to like pull that out because he wasn't experiencing that mm -hmm. and we really butted heads from day one but like with me drinking like I was the hurtful one like verbally abusive I could have been physically abusive I don't know I was blacked out like I just went to depths that I hadn't been to before right um, and uh he kept telling me you need to quit drinking you need to quit drinking and I'm you know in my head I'm like I don't you know you don't want to let go of it but also right. you want nothing more than to let go of it but Absolutely. surrender surrender means accepting the change and that's such a scary thing even though when you're on the other side it's amazing yeah. Yeah. How I described it, because um, even though it wasn't through sobriety, although I have my own history with sobriety as well, um, it, I would just remember this blind faith of moving, you know, like not knowing, like I'm moving out of state, but I have no idea where I'm going to live. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, and I, I envision it as like being off balance and reaching into this unknown space 
like leaning forward, but also like, like looking back and trying to like hold on, but realizing you can't, you're only on one foot and you're like really unstable. So you feel like you're going to, but you have to let go of this in order to move forward. And it, it can feel so, because there's so much ambiguity and so much uncertainty and you just, yeah, that surrender of like trusting that everything is going to work out and you're going to be okay no matter what happens. So much has happened and we're always okay eventually. Absolutely. We don't feel that when we're so in fear, like so fear driven Mm -hmm. that like that's all you can, I'm like blinded by it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So yes, I, um, I was like, I guess, telling him that I, that I hated him and that I hated that I married him. And I don't remember these things. And then my mom reached out and she was freaking out in the morning asking if I was okay, because in a blackout, I had, you know, reached out to her and told her, you know, what happens tonight isn't your fault. I love you so much. And that's where I was going. Like between the shame and the regret of my choices, both between drinking and in putting myself Mm-hmm. up by Canada clear far from like all my support system in this situation that I clearly you know yeah. didn't want to be in um I knew that the only place for me to go was you know the the rooms of AA because I knew yeah. that all I have to do is walk in and say I'm an alcoholic and I'm in mm-hmm. like secret handshake done <laughs> right um, and so um he really uh, didn't want me to go to meetings he said I just want you to not drink I don't want you going to those meetings and I'm like well I can't I don't yeah. I don't possess the power to do that on my own yeah and so um so that was a big issue mm-hmm. and then you know the he worked nights and I worked like mid shift ish but it was mm-hmm. just we were on totally I just found like so much relief when he walked out the door and when he walked in I felt such a big weight and that just like that grew and there was just blowouts all the time and then going to meetings Mm -hmm. um I started going to meetings in November my date that I've kept is December 10th uh, 2020 okay so I moved there in June and it (laughs) took five months to get me back in the rooms um but by February he just you know he said this isn't working and I refused I refused Mm -hmm. to tell him that I was miserable. I was still trying to hold up that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, let's go to therapy. Cause I knew he wouldn't go to therapy. Like I didn't take the higher road. Like in hindsight, I could have, I could have walked it differently. And I'm, you know, I'm just thankful that it's walked. Um, But you know, I just, I, I kept saying we need to go to therapy. And he said, you're the one with the problem. You go to therapy. Mm. And that was like my big, I wanted him to say those things, if that makes sense. Like I wanted him to be the bad guy, even though that's all I wanted was for him to just say he's done. I would probably still be in my marriage had my ex-husband, my second ex-husband not said, answered the question. Like, I'm like, do you want a divorce? I mean, that wasn't the first time I asked it. That was probably, you know, the second or third time I'd asked it. But he said, yeah. And I'm like, thank fucking God. Like we, yes, absolutely. Cause I wanted that too, but I also struggled. I was scared because to speak up and use my voice because for so long, my voice, and I have a huge history with shame as well. Mm -hmm. it, It just, I, it wasn't, it wasn't there. It was scary to like speak up and, and claim what you want. It was Mm -hmm. very scary. But as soon as he said that, I was like, he was like, we should just get a divorce. And I'm like, okay, you asked for this. Right. And that, but inside I was just like, huh. And then when he would come up and say, maybe we should work on it. I'm like, okay, no. And that's when I was able to have the conversations. But then I'm in Washington. It's still like the shut, the second shutdown was just opening. So like it was around that time, um, I wasn't sure, like, pretty much from when I got there, I wanted to go back to Vegas, wanted to go back to Vegas. Granted, in Vegas, I had created some chaos also. (laughs) So I didn't think I was running, but, you know. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, I 
I didn't because I had a sponsor and I was doing something and I, you know, I had something positive going and a good job. And yeah. then my, so we separated in February and he said, you know what? I want to get a yard for my dog. I want to shop. I'm going to move out. And I was like, okay, so that means we have to live in the same space. So he stayed in the bedroom and I stayed on the couch mm-hmm. and that might've been worse than the marriage part yeah living in that same space was the worst mm-hmm. um it was it was really really dark and it was scary because I finally felt like I was doing what was right for me and sticking mm-hmm. to it and like setting and holding boundaries mm-hmm. and then there was a lot of consequence just like in you know my 20s and in my experience in previous relationships to where when I'm doing something for me that's going to be punished Right. Absolutely. This time I just was willing to walk through it. Like I was willing to take whatever came my way to not be in that. Like I wasn't going to surrender to that anymore because I had already surrendered to something bigger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he moved out and we were trying to like get back to the friendship because, you know, I have love for this person. We have been in each other's lives for so long, but it was so toxic, like Mm -hmm. the threats and like the phone calls and like you know being in the park but like not on my property and like Mm. you know it it got really bad to where I just I learned how to set a boundary Mm -hmm. it was like the scariest but best thing ever to like hold it yeah absolutely so in that in that time I was not looking for anyone but I just happened to meet like the best man for me ever there was no part of me that was like okay next Who's next? <laughs> yeah, that's a different. I mean, I've I've teetered in and out a lot a little bit. Like I, you know, I've been single. I mean, I did date a couple people, um, but I did find myself reaching out when I would get lonely. And the first person I dated for a little bit, you know, I was like not he he would tell me I'm not good for you. You really shouldn't date me. And I'm like, it's cool. <laughs> I got this. Not I believe you. Right. My (laughs) friends was like, yeah, not I believe you. Okay, let's end this. I'm like, it's okay. But I so was still in that place of like, I want to be loved and want to be wanted and want to, you know, um, and I moved to Oregon to create a huge boundary to be able to like be with myself and hear myself and know what I really wanted. And so I just remember a friend messaging, like, I was like, yeah, da, da, da. she's like, you do not got this. Stop. Stop. You absolutely have to just end this. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I met somebody else who we dated for quite a, actually like eight months, but then it abruptly ended. But I, I really, I, in between the two, I'd started therapy for myself and really had this therapist who helped me kind of really look at, you know, what, how are you showing up? Are you asking enough questions? Because, because I'm so used to molding myself into whatever my partner wants me to be, um, holding my own space and holding who I am can be really challenging for me in a relationship, mm-hmm. speaking my truth, asking questions getting vulnerable, um, even while I can do it in all these other areas in relationship with a partner, it's a real challenge sometimes because of my own history of abandonment and rejection. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of work. So I was showing up in this relationship so differently. And then it abruptly, the like ended. And I was like, wait, what, what is, what is happening right now? And like, it actually, it's been six months now but it really like took me back because I'm like this, I thought we were building something. And then all of a sudden you say, this isn't working for me. I'm not ready to be in a relationship. I need to work on me. And I'm like, what is happening? You're not ready. You're, you already are. (laughs) Right. I was, and you know, and he's, I'm still, we're still friends. Um, And he was, but he was such an important person, but it was such a, it was literally like a gut punch because I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. This person was like, 
I'm, I'm like told him my biggest fear is you're going to break up with me. When he started, I started noticing he was having a little bit of like stuff and he's like, Nope, that's not on the table. And then within a couple of weeks, it was like, I'm getting ready to go there. And I get a phone call late at night. So I'm excited. I'm like so excited. And I'm like, Oh, you're calling me. And like, this is such a treat. And then I'm listening to him talk and I'm just like, wait, are you breaking up with me? And he's like, yeah, I think it's for the best. And I'm like, what? And and I like literally just remember being so stunned and shocked. And like this felt, I've had to do a lot of processing. I went back to therapy um, for a little bit around it because I was like, it, I just wasn't expecting it. And I completely support people. Like I completely understand if you can't be in a relationship and you need to work on yourself. So I felt also conflicted of this. I want to support. This is what you need and respect your boundary. And this is really hooked up and it's but not, not to me, <laughs> but not to me. And I felt like, Oh, what is like, you know, and I'm like, I don't get a choice. Can't we work through this? Can't. And I'm like, And as I've gotten farther away, as I've gotten, I'm like, okay, this person was a beautiful experience for me because he gave me this new understanding of what a relationship can look like. So even though it's not happening with him for whatever reason, it's okay. It gave me a new bar to kind of not necessarily compare the next person to, but for what, understand what I'm looking for in a relationship. Like there are so many things that, you know, just little bits of things like my ex-husband would get so upset if I wanted to eat bites of his food. I love food. I'm a big foodie. I want to try all the food. Tapas is like my favorite um, because you get small plates and everybody gets to eat a little bit of everything. Um, And it was a real source of like contention and like, he's be like, if you wanted this, you should have ordered it. I'm like, I don't, I just want to bite. I want to get something different from you so that I can eat both. Right. And I'll share. (laughs) And and this last relationship with the man I was dating, he would make us one, he would make us food and he would give us one plate and we would get to share. And it felt so intimate and so um, like, I felt so connected and nurtured in that space. And I'm like, I want somebody who is willing to share their food with me. So it really helped me understand what I'm also looking for to experience in a relationship. So I see those all as gifts and who knows what happens in the future, right? We never actually know. Um, But I've actually, like you did for that time being, I've actually moved towards, I'm not really going to seriously look to date anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that as I do the things that I love, like going to the ballet or going to the theater, that I'm going to meet someone through the experiences of doing the things I love. Um, When that is, I don't know. Um, And it's obviously sometimes a challenge because I would love having a relationship and I'm also okay and happy with where things are right now for me as well. So Which yeah, is a wonderful place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, but it's, it's definitely when you do this work, it is kind of a mind fuck sometimes because you're like having to hold two paradigms or polarities in, in this, like, okay, I see this and I don't like this and I see this and I know this truth and I see this truth. Okay. Um, have you found that as well? Absolutely. Um, so like I recognize that I'm still living my pattern, mm, but no yeah. regret. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, there are so many, like recognizing that both like the good things and the really, really bad traumatic things in my life they're not my fault but they are a direct result of my choice right oh yeah ownership that's like a huge thing like we're not responsible for certain things but yet we are responsible for one how we allow it affect our choices and the future decisions we make so I do get to choose differently especially in how I show up so Mm -hmm. while 
you know, my therapist pointed out, my sponsor pointed out, my parents pointed out, my best friend didn't because she's my like ride or die yeah. biggest cheerleader, Candy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but everybody else really pointed out, like Brandy, this is your cycle. Like you mm. go from relationship to relationship. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. I was in a relationship from 19 years old to 30. Right. Like I didn't really give myself a chance to see what my pattern is because I just, you know, I stay no matter what. Yeah. Like, me too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I didn't got this. I got this. Yeah. But I didn't got this. Like I yeah. struggled and never, ever, ever was really willing to admit that I wasn't living authentically. Like I wasn't willing yeah. to look at any of those things. And it wasn't until that that ended I mean I also broke like mm -hmm. I chose you know I could have chosen the high road and I could have worked on myself and I didn't I chose mm -hmm. to drink mm -hmm. and I mean I lived on my mom's couch I drank I sold my house and I drank my half of the money I split the oh, I right. split the money that I made from the house with my long-term ex mm -hmm. and uh, and I got like 37 grand and I lived on my mom's couch paid a couple of electric bills and I drank 37 grand in like four or five months wow yeah so I mean I went from I don't know I think I think you and I spent a new year's together I think it was like us and my friend Audra mm -hmm. yeah my house that had yeah. the red walls and I remember saying like I'm I'm not gonna drink after midnight for a year Right. something like that and I think yeah. I drink at like 12 15 or something like the mere thought <laughs> of, of yeah and that was before it got they got way 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 worse but anyway yes um so as far as like the the paradox the paradigm it's like yeah. you know helping people choose differently and like show up differently in their life but then also being like but I'm willing to make this choice for myself and so far it's the best it's the best yeah. second best choice to not drinking because yeah. I would never get to experience the life that I'm living right now if I was yeah so like Absolutely. I can't ever leave that out of mm -hmm. where I'm at because it's such a huge part because of who I become now yeah. when I drink yeah because even this like happy healthy thriving brandy when she drinks she goes to this really terrible place so, very dark yeah so now um you know in being with with my husband now um like he pushes me where I have in places I haven't grown yet like it's really really neat um yeah that's awesome I met him and I'm like this guy's not my type like he's tall he's handsome but first of all I wasn't looking and second of all like I'm like he's you know, he's, I don't, I didn't know if he was like playing softball. He's a baseball coach, but I just saw them in like sports clothes and, you know, he doesn't look dangerous. Like he doesn't look like <laughs> he's not the bad boy that we're so attracted to, like <laughs> the unavailable bad boy that yeah. you're like, I know you're not available, but you know, I yeah. can fix that. But pick me. But yeah. Pick me. Yeah. No, uh -huh. I don't. So, um, you know, something clicked in my head to where I was like, maybe that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, like we met right after me and uh, my ex-husband had separated. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I went through my steps in six months. So I didn't date. I didn't go on a date with Scott until I was done with my 12 steps. And I was raising my hand to sponsor other women. So then I'm fully... Committed, you know, to your path. committed to my program first mm -hmm. right and then um my ex had moved out because that was a lot so we were still legally married but not not together and yeah. not speaking yeah <laughs> um and then um I went on a date with him and we were supposed to go axe throwing Oh, and I'm that's like that's a first fun. date yeah. yeah but it was also like the tail end of uh 2021 covid so uh, you had to like make an a uh, make a reservation and we didn't do that so he um was living in his cabin on the water in on Camino Washington um he's like he was living there and I walk in and I'm like who the fuck lives like this and he's like excuse me 
because I've been his bartender. Like I met him in my in my work. So I'm like, you just fucking wake up and you just have this big bay window to the Puget Sound and like, what is this? Like, where am I? <laughs> you're like, he's like thinking you're judging him, and you're like, oh my this is amazing. god, like this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't uh, we didn't go on a date. We just sat on the back patio and got to know each other. Yeah, that's awesome. And like that's like my not that it matters on a podcast, but that's like my profile picture in my wedding dress because I'm like this is where I fell in love with you. Like it was just yeah. sitting here because I was in relationships for mo- you know so many years and I don't think that that was ever a thing. Yeah. To yeah. like just sit and just be and like get to know like the inside of like what do you think about you know like people say oh I want to talk about the moon and the stars and the dude I got I was so blown away at just this happening with this person that I totally judged right um and I didn't stay over I drove an hour home which I was like whoa because I was super attracted to him and like way into him but I was like no I'm not you know we just like cuddled under a blanket by a fire and looked at the stars and then I went home yeah and um he was uh he was coaching a summer league in Port Angeles okay I didn't really get to see him that much so it was kind of like a direct opposite from everything I've ever done so that like the complete like enmeshment and like always being together versus this ability to go slow and get to know someone and really kind of have that ability to step back and feel what you feel without just being totally like immersed into their energy and and the feeling of the relationship yeah yes and I didn't get to like study his world to see how I could like latch on to it Right. And I right. could recognize when those feelings were coming up and mm-hmm. I could notice the feeling. And because yeah. like, you had space. Yes. So becoming the noticer instead of like the, the doer and the beer, like mm-hmm. this is what I'm reaching for. Like this is what I've been working towards. So it's been really, really amazing. Like getting <laughs> yeah. to just show up different and like have somebody push me towards my goals and like I get to go like that was a big thing for me with being being a girlfriend was that I so got to like support everything and Mm -hmm. you know I got to go to all the this is or the that's the events and I got to be that person well now I'm like a baseball mom Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I I I don't know if you remember but like I kind of had the house where the back door was never locked right so like people would just come in and there was no and sometimes it would be two people and sometimes it would be 10 people. And like right. that became my thing was like cooking for all these people. And now I get to take that thing that I learned from this tumultuous period of my life. And I get to feed all these baseball kids. Like I see it play out and I'm like, this is so crazy. Right. Like, yeah. That's how like some of the things that we go through absolutely prepare us for our future and like things and we get to you utilize that in a different way and I love I've had a similar experience um with the man I was just dating that ended we lived um you know two and a half hours apart and so we only had limited time to be able to be together so it gave us lots of time to have conversation and get to know each other and that going slow you really get to notice sometimes where you're rushing or you're pushing you get to notice your pattern a little bit easier with that space and so I did and even now reflecting back I still see where I was in that pattern a little bit not as much as like the person before that or how quickly I jumped into my other relationships in the past and how much I took on I was I, I was still able to do better but I still see where that was happening. But yeah, absolutely. Like, (laughs) I think everything that happens to us, we grow and we become, we are impacted. I always, with some of my clients will crumple up a piece of paper, like this is you, and then crumple up the piece of paper and then straighten it out. And these are all your experiences from the crumples. Mm -hmm. And then you smooth it back out and it's still a straight flat piece of paper, but it's got all these lines and creases in it because even though you work through things impact you and affect you and 
no matter what happens, it's never going to go back to be the same. You just keep moving forward and you get to synthesize and integrate all the lessons and then choose how do I want this to impact me or dictate the narrative I create for myself. So the fact that you've been able to do that (laughs) is, yeah, huge. And it's amazing because there is value in even our most horrific experiences sometimes. Um, it takes a lot of work to get there and it's, we don't want to gaslight ourselves because that's can really happen. We want to feel our emotions, but absolutely like finding the power within our experiences is so important. Absolutely. Like there's, you know, that, that long relationship really, I let dictate my life so much longer after it was done. And I very much was like, the victim, you know, I felt the victim and I felt I romanticized it. And I just longed for this story that I was telling in my head. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't really through therapy. It was through the 12 steps Yeah, where I really recognized what my day-to-day life was Mm -hmm. actually like. Yeah. And the reality checks. (laughs) And how I was only a victim of my own choices in that, you know. You kept choosing that. I kept choosing that. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest truths for us. And uh, most of my work and it's like growth has come from either in coaching or friends who are in the spiritual growth coaching or therapy world. Um, Because I avoided therapy for a really long time. (laughs) I'm fine. What do I need to work on? Yeah. Not true. We all have things <laughs> to work on. Um, but it was just, it's such an interesting experience, that truth of like, I'm choosing this. And and to get to the point where you you say, I keep coming back for this. And I had a friend ask me one time, I'm really good at like, so you know, the you said romanticizing. I love that. Um, I, I believe in people's capacity to change so much so that I sometimes see their potential and I'm just like, I see that. I don't see what's actually happening right now. And she's like, Amanda, if nothing changes and this is your reality for the rest of your relationship, your whole entire life, the next 50 years, are you okay with this? If nothing changes, it's great that he has potential and you have hope. But I think this is fucking you up. I think this is messing with your ability to see the truth of what's happening. And then to go, oh, like I'm not responsible for his choices, what, how that, the things that he does, but I'm responsible for staying. And yes, it's complicated, especially with abuse issues. You know, I want to just, in case anybody's dealing with that while they're listening, um, that you know, it, it can be very complicated of the the separation of the relationship and it can be sometimes very dangerous. Um, so that I always say real carefully, like get help. Yeah, um, that, we're just speaking generally in generally, a general relationship, yeah. not if you're in danger, that's a whole different ball game. Different, yes. And yeah. there are people that can help you with that, but don't attempt yeah. to take this advice and apply it to that. Right. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, be, but there's so much that we choose that we don't recognize we choose. We choose. And when we focus on hope or we focus on potential or we focus on anything outside of the here and now, the past, the future, we have to look at what's happening right now and then decide. And that I think has been a huge shift for me to not what I noticed with my ex-husband is he was in the past and looking at the past and I was looking at the future, but neither one of us were present in the moment for Because you didn't like the right now. Right. Because yeah. today, Amanda, and today, Kirk didn't. <laughs> right. Didn't mesh. Yeah. He was like past Amanda and I was like future him. And, and so I see it oh and I'm just like, Wow. That's so fascinating. And how you said, even dictating being out of that relationship, like I still am discovering things that from that relationship that I'm still un, like 
rewriting and unwinding from because they were so invasive or I took on so much and it was so, um, I adopted it. I like, just like blindly adopted some things and I'm like Uh having to step back and question, is this really what I believe? Or is this what I took from him and just like digest, like, like took in without like discernment, you know, there's a lot. Yes. Oh, yeah, I feel that so much <laughs> like that. It's so huge for me to where I'm like, I don't know if I believe that or it's just my beliefs. Like, right. it's, it's something that I just chose to take on, but I don't know if it's mine. Right. Absolutely. And so that's like a lot of my like sitting going, OK, this is coming up for me. Is this what I believe or is this what I've been taught to believe? And so really understanding what our beliefs are, what are our intrinsic and what our external beliefs, like what have we learned and taken on or what do we really believe? Yeah. And it's, it's been interesting because sometimes I have to go back to pre, um, like to Mandy. So I have like Mandy and Amanda and I have to go like way back into my childhood to think about what was I like then? What was I like before this? before the points that I feel like my life changed right obviously that it's not all like that it's not like one thing happens I mean it can be but there's usually a lot of things that influence us but I we all come up with it was this moment that my life changed and I have this perfect just talking to a friend about this perfect idealization of my life pre-nine before we moved from from Oregon to Arizona my life was perfect and everything was great Mm. whether or not that true or not it's my ideal vision and so I go back to like who was I then and then even with my therapist like looking at was it really me or was then I being influenced by the world around me still so it's interesting like to do this work and to see and then be able to really go, what do I believe? Okay. And even if I believe that then, what do I believe now? Yeah. Cause I I like, I like the idea of the unlearning of like all the things that, that our lives and our, you know, everything that we've experienced has, Mm -hmm. you know, we've taken on like just the unpeeling to that Mandy or to that like little Brandy of like, I, I want that like curiosity and that Mm -hmm. like the, the healthy reckless abandon right yes. <laughs> yeah yeah not the not the let me just take this wild and crazy risk yeah That's no but just really like risky. just like but, that playful and that inquisitive mm-hmm. and that yeah, yeah absolutely and you know a lot of I talk about it as you said I'm learning and I talk about unbecoming mm-hmm. because a lot of times we become things and then it's about the unbecoming, the shedding off, the 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 removal of the cloaks mm-hmm. that we, you know, bring upon ourselves or whatever it is. Um, so we can become what we truly are, which is always in there. It's just protected with all these layers of things because somewhere along the way we learn it's not safe to show up who you are. So it's about yeah. cultivating the sense of safety to show up as you are and the belief that you're going to be okay Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't land with everyone yes Mm -hmm. yes I love that and I when you said that like immediately my mind went to like one of my earliest memories of being a child in the first moment that I felt like it wasn't okay and I had to figure out what someone wanted me to be so that I could get their love and I was like five dude yeah this stuff (laughs) so early like we learn um so part of the work that I've done is infant toddler mental health work and it's fascinating how much we learn that we don't even remember of that we need to do this in order to make this because our survival depends on the our caretakers which is, so yes, there's codependency, but there's also interdependency and being interdependent. We, that's, that's a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it's, it's that other enmeshment, but we learn super early the impact that if I do this, this happens. And then we start altering our, our behavior based upon the responses and reactions and consequences that happen from that. We learn if we cry too much and we just always get a bottle shoved in our mouth that, well, we must want to eat every time we feel discomfort, but we don't realize that because we just don't realize that we don't have that memory because it was formed in um, our implicit memory before language versus our explicit memory. So, so it really is, but like you learn how to respond and then you just go with it. And then the other thing that's such, I found such an interesting thing through my work for my own development is like, sometimes the lessons that are important people try to teach us in life, whether it's our parents or whoever, they teach us one thing, but we internalize something else. Oh yes. And so they may have said one thing to help us understand not to do that because it's not socially acceptable, but then we take it about something being bad about ourselves, or they say something because they're scared and fearful we'll get hurt. And we're like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me, you know, like, and so we internalize it. And if they never come back to help explain why and understand what we took from that, then we live with these messages for years that our parents never meant to teach us. Yeah. Which is really weird sometimes too. So me and my mom are really close and we were not when I was growing up. Like at 12 years old, I like went off the deep end. She divorced my stepdad that had raised me from three to 12 and like, I wasn't having it. So like, Mm -hmm. we're so close now. Like we talk once a week now, like since I've moved, my schedule's all over the place, but you know, I tell my mom and her now husband, Greg, they've been married for like 20 three or 24 years I tell them everything like I tell them the stuff they don't want to know whatever like I talk to them like my best friend yeah Um, me too I have this similar relationship with my mom of where we weren't very close when I was younger and now she's like my best friend but we do go back to like those questions like we do go back and say you know when this happened and when I did this and when I said this like Mm -hmm. you know how did you take it and like this is what I meant and like you know, when I made amends to my mom and she kind of went back and said, did you really feel like I blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, it's like, we really, when it comes up, we do go back and, and it's amazing because I wouldn't, I don't think we would have the relationship that we have if we weren't able to like acknowledge, you know, she had me in high school. Yeah. She was 17. Mm-hmm. She did her yeah. very best. And I'm so yeah. thankful that I know that now because I judged her and like, I always Absolutely. felt so rejected as a kid. And now I see that I was the rejector. Like no one was good enough for me. Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> me and my mom do the same thing. We go back sometimes we'll, you know, I'll ask questions or I'll come up and we'll go through that. But it's, it's really fascinating to be able to have those relationships. Cause I know not everyone does, or maybe not every parent is safe to have that. So, um, but yeah, when you can have those discussions and kind of work through that now. And I think the other big thing you said that I had an experience with my dad, because I felt really rejected from my dad, um, was being close to his age when he divorced, you know, and separated from my mom and, being able to, so I was at the age when he, you know, my age now, well, not now, but 10 years ago or whatever it was, he would have been that age when he did this. Mm -hmm. And it gave me to the, the, the ability to look at our parents' life at the age that they were. And we are at the time we are the same age and to look back at what what might have they been going through. And I remember some just surreal, like looking at nieces and nephews and going, I wonder if our parents felt like this or aunts and uncles. Like, I feel really, maybe, you know, like just these moments. But when you're able to see life from their perspective, it really shifts and creates that like ability to connect with them in a different way and give them the benefit of the doubt, understanding that they did the best. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Did they make mistakes? Oh yeah. But 
what what was their intention and when you're able to have those deeper conversations and I had one with my dad after I went to this retreat and I did this inner child work and then I have this conversation with my dad and about this pivotal moment that I remember when I was 14 with him and like I've really clung on to this and he goes I don't ever remember saying that to you and I'm like wait I've been holding on to this for 25 years and you don't remember it? What the? And he's like, if I did, I am so sorry because I have never felt that way about you. And I'm like, huh, I've like dictated (laughs) my relationships around this belief that I'm unlovable and unwanted. And if I speak up, then I'll be harmed and like verbally rejected. And, you know, I have to be quiet and amenable in order to have a good relationship and do what you want, not talk about what I want and not. And I'm like, that is just like, so messed up. Oh my God. And you don't even remember this? Like, wow, like I did art therapy work around this. Like I drew a picture of the moment and you don't remember? It was, it was huge for me to be like, wow. Like, it's not funny. I'm just laughing because I, I get it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know it's totally not funny. We, we're away from this. Like the reason we can laugh is right. We're away from this process a little bit. We have some distance, yeah. but it wasn't funny in the moment. Like, it was such this, ah, but now I can laugh about it. And I'm glad you are too, because you can relate. But it was like, oh, like, wow. I have lived my life around this belief that this person doesn't remember. And now I'm like, wow, what do I do now? And, And so then that's the next step in the work, right? But yeah, it was, it was really, I still sometimes I'm like, gosh, I need to work on that. So I feel like each one of those ahas that come from like doing the deeper painful work, like that's kind of like my main motivation is those different pain points. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's so many, it doesn't have to be like your one big, huge one, but just like the feeling on the other side of that, Mm -hmm. of just, you know, the hard conversation, there's just so much freedom on the other side of it. And so I I picture mine, like a great big trash bag, you know, like in our four-step inventory in, in recovery, we write down, um, who we're angry at, who we're resentful at, you know, um, why we're angry, what part of self, and then we write down our, our part, which that's yeah. like the worst part where you see that's where the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. I like carried this great big black trash bag and I feel like each person place idea memory each thing that I take out and I investigate and I actually am willing to like confront it in a loving way yeah absolutely like it feels like that's just another like weight off of my back like yeah I feel like this freedom each and every time and it doesn't you know it it doesn't always stay like that you know that glowing like high vibe feeling but that weight doesn't come back on me right and you're able to recognize things quicker like you might find yourself in your pattern but you're like oh oh, I'm I'm there again and you can walk it back a little bit sidestep it um but you're right. I think that you, at once you kind of really process it and have those moments and really do the work, it's, it shifts and changes everything. Um, this work I always say is not for the faint of heart. Cause it's really, it's, it's, it seems simplistic in some ways and yet it's so complex. And well, I mean, it, the, the basis is simple. Sure. But, right. but the work is not. Mm-mm. it's definitely not it's complex and multifaceted and so it's I always it's like a woven piece of who you are and then you're unweaving and reweaving how you want things to be and so but it's it's I wouldn't change it and anybody I know that like it's like you and once you start doing the work you can't undo the work you just you can't unsee you can't see what you see unsee it no it's yep. it's there 
mm-hmm. and you feel it and then you you're like ah sometimes but it's also like the beautiful thing it is yeah like that's where the beauty in my life has come from because I don't know if I ever really appreciated anything mm-hmm. until now because now it's like getting through those painful things like I'm not like meeting with you I'm not sitting here going is she thinking about that time that I blah you know it's like unpacking those things yeah. and healing those things and then having a love for myself I can just meet you and talk to Amanda Whereas yeah. before I wasn't ever actually talking to anyone just to hear and understand. Yeah. Yeah. It was all that insecurity. Cause I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. do, are they remembering? Are they judging me? What do they think? Do I sound stupid? Like that whole inner dialogue. Yeah. But when you do that work, you're able to, it's, it's almost like a, it's a piece. Like that part is still there, but you learn that they're not in charge and they learn they're not in charge. They creep in every once in a while, but you really are able to go, no, here, I've got this. And really it's that relearning the self-trust and trusting yourself again and again, and being able to show up. And I'm glad you are, because I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. I'm yeah, having I didn't think incredible so. <laughs> conversation with you. I'm like, I'm in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're like all these things that like, uh, yeah. oh my gosh. And I remember friends being like, do you really think about that stuff about me? I'm like, no. And they're like, why the hell do you think I would think that about you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm so insecure about myself. Yeah. Um, which is something I think sometimes people don't realize that sometimes the people who look the most called the divorce course and people can find out more about that and me. Oh my gosh, you guys, there was so much good stuff packed into that hour. So much so that we had to make this a two-parter episode. Join me next Wednesday for part two of our talk. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, and share this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You are loved and you matter.